Good morning, Eugene. Hey, morning. You seem awake. So awake. <laughs> Good. Um, I actually just recently tried this bulletproof coffee. Have you heard of it? Oh, with the butter? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. You've heard of it. How, how come? I'm <laughs> pr- pretty into coffee. <laughs> but really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you tried it? I think I bought one. I never made it, but I definitely bought them. And I feel like I could make them better. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting adding butter as opposed to like a milk. But I've been doing um, the, the the coffee situation in our area is really bad. Really? <laughs> it's It's the worst. And coming from Manhattan, like Manhattan had on average, pretty good coffee. But here, the best coffee shops, still trash. And like the best coffee I've had here, we're at like these sketchy diners where, I don't know, maybe someone had like the instinct to clean. They basically have to clean better. Like that, that, that's all. And like taste their own coffee. But the coffee situation here is sad. So I've been accumulating more and more like coffee stuff for myself. <laughs> And the the trick that I found is that if there's bad coffee around, you just you just add some milk to it, and it's fine. And I've I've always been like a black coffee guy, and here, nah, you want cream and sugar? Yes, please, because your coffee is so bad, and I really desperately need to not have a headache later. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm not a as sophisticated of a coffee drink as you are, because I've always had my coffee with milk, but the lighter, the better. <laughs> if if these people don't taste or care about their coffee, yeah, just just add, like, I don't even want the coffee. Just, just pour me the milk. It's fine. I'll crush some caffeine pills or something. It's <laughs> yeah, I think about um, doing a coffee shop every hour of every day. It's really? like, like now that my student loans are done, my only other thought is you have to open a coffee shop every second. Like it's like a background noise in my mind. Interesting. Except, you know, they don't, they're not super money makers. So I'm trying to like invent a way that I could quit my cool engineering job and somehow make enough money selling people like bean juice. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So, uh, which brings us, I guess, to the idea of starting a business. And I'm curious to know what your kind of, how would you imagine, I know that you don't have a business yet, but if you're thinking about opening a, co- a coffee shop, um, what would your so- thought process be kind of um, related to that? So, I've been thinking about this, again, all the time. And I guess there's a difference between this romantic idea of being a business owner and then this weird fascination of being, like, a serial entrepreneur, which, in my opinion, is just, like, a person that fails at business a lot, but not not in a bad way. Like, you need to keep trying to get something that works, And my conception of business is sort of like, okay, how do you do something that makes money? 
because you have to, you know, sustain your lifestyle, whatever you want to do. Like you, you do need money to function in society. So I have the, the most classic of classic jobs where, you know, big company, salary, benefits, all that stuff. But more and more people now either don't want that or can't like mesh with that lifestyle. So they end up having part-time jobs or like gig work jobs. And that's where you sort of get into like, oh, I'm a consultant, I'm a contractor, I'm a multi like job person. And like the classic is, oh, I'm an actor, but I also work at this coffee shop and then I bartend at night. Where now it's, I'm a Lyft driver, but I also do Uber Eats. And then I work at the coffee shop and on the weekends, I have some clients that, you know, get haircuts for me. So that's what I think of like the classic millennial uh, business model. And it's a little sad because like how much of your life do you want work to consume? I've been getting into hobbies recently and it sort of allowed me to not think about work as much where I think a disproportionate amount of people, they don't have that luxury. They have to keep thinking about work because they don't have a job that pays them a salary. They go home, they're done. No, they need more money to, to live. So they have multiple jobs and they're always on the lookout for how do I sell another piece of myself, influencers, you know, whatever. How do I share something? How do I make content? And we call these people creatives or whatever, but they're just, they're just trying to fit in and society isn't like helping them out in the traditional ways. Cause they didn't choose the traditional route. I chose a very traditional go to college, get an office job. And then I get to, you know, buy super expensive cameras and go on photo walks, but they didn't want to, or they couldn't, or there's all sorts of factors that lead people to have multiple jobs. And then once you do that, once you have, you know, three jobs, you have to manage multiple clients, let's call them. And then you're sort of in this small business mindset by default, even if you don't even know it. Um, yeah. That's my initial so, opening statement. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, um, what's the expensive camera? Oh, uh, I think a year ago, maybe I got my wife for her, uh, maybe birthday, something. It's a Canon 70, 77D, which looking back was like, not a mistake, but it was like a trial camera. It wasn't the cheapest one and it wasn't a full frame. Mm-hmm. so I'm happy with it. I got like a prime lens that like doesn't move. So like, I, I don't know how interesting this is, but we can have a whole show about my new camera stuff, but it's frustrating that I have a Samsung phone and the camera isn't what I like, but my wife has the pixel phone, which takes ridiculously good pictures. And then the iPhones are pretty good. So it's not even about taking pictures for me. I like the, I like the manual mode where I get to like mess around with the settings myself. I don't take good pictures, but it's interesting to like walk around and like be more aware of my environment and mess with the settings. It's like, Oh, look, I, so 
it's something of a hobby of I like doing it. It makes me feel connected to the town that I'm in. <laughs> and it's so expensive because like now I want a full frame camera and those are like $4,000. <laughs> well, yeah. no. So the camera itself is about 2500 So oh, but I whatever. Want, I mean, I also huh? want like lenses and. Yeah, of course. Um, anyway, so yeah, so the <laughs> iPhone, I actually just got a new one and, and takes just phenomenal pictures. <laughs> yeah, I think next year I'm going to switch back to iPhone unless Android comes out with something really appealing. <laughs> um, so so you're, you have a, an interesting, um, I guess, view on the, on the business as a millennial and I'm curious to know, because I've noticed, um, and I had this conversation with someone, um, she's a professional photographer, um, and she, uh, you know, so she's an artist, but she made a fairly good living as as an artist. Um, Normally, not normally, but often um, photographers don't make a good living because, well, not only photographers, artists in general. Um, and I always wondered why I always kind of thought, you know, if you choose to be an artist, you kind of are destined for poverty. But, um, then I had this, this interview with, with this woman, with this photographer in Florida and, you know, she, she actually, you know, did really well in her life. She got to travel a lot to like, you know, Africa and, and a bunch of different places in the world and photograph some, some really cool things. And, um, what I found interesting is she made a, you know, in addition to being able to travel and like go all in and on a, on a trip, um, she, you know, build a pretty good life. She has, you know, a studio, um, a couple of pieces of property that she owns and, you know, mortgage free and stuff like that. And, um, we talked and I kind of thought that at least based on what she said, um, I kind of agree with that, I guess. I'm not too much into the art industry, but she said that for artists, those who don't commit to their art, it's basically lack of commitment, the bottom line. So what she means is that she, you know, she told the story about, you know, she was sitting in a, uh, at a hair salon and the hair salon owner was her client um, and she like does portraits and she does artwork and and creates different like you know picture like albums for like the weddings or whatever it may be um and you know she there was this other woman this other client of the hair salon sitting next to her and you know you know somehow it, it kind of came out that she's a photographer and she has a studio and stuff like that and then this woman um, she said something like this. She said, you know, my daughter got married. I wish I could, I, I wish I hired you for the wedding to be a wedding photographer because, you know, I got this, I paid $4,000 and all I got with it, all I got with, was a stick. Um, so, you know, like a flash drive or whatever, um, uh, with pictures and there's like thousands of pictures there and like, how much, what am I supposed to do with it? And, it's interesting, Susan, her name is Susan. She, she said, well, listen, if you don't, if you want me to take a look at it, uh, bring the stick, um, to my studio and, um, and let me take a look. And I normally don't do it because like someone else took the pictures, but let me take a look and see if, like what I can do, if anything. So basically this woman paid 4,000 for this photographer. The photographer probably, you know, 
works in a fairly low margin because with the equipment, you have to rent often equipment. Many photographers don't buy like some lenses because, you know, there's always new ones coming out. So it's easier to to rent and then return and and also hire like assistants and, and second cameras and stuff like that. So, um, she charged 4,000 and probably made like a thousand bucks and spent her entire weekend, you know, shooting this wedding. Um, and Susan, you know, she, you know, she looked at the picture. She was like, the photography was decent. Um, so I, you know, I asked this woman, like, would you like a, you know, an album? Um, and she said, I would love an album. And basically like, she was like, would you like an album for your daughter and to get it before Christmas? It would be a rush order. Um, she was like, absolutely. And so basically in a couple of pieces of art for her living room and stuff like that. So after, you know, in the end, my, you know, my friend, Susan, she charged this woman $9,000 more to actually create an experience, to actually create a memory. And she was saying, Susan, as we were talking, she was saying that so many artists, and maybe it applies to old millennials, and you'll have to kind of tell me what you think about this, but she said that artists specifically, because she's into art, don't commit to their art. They kind of do their thing. They think it's, you know, being a photographer is just about having a camera and taking some pictures, but nothing else, not too much thought goes into this experience. And I found it to be really fascinating because I agree that the, every, any business requires commitment. And, um, that's, that's when you actually make money and become successful. Yeah. I mean, I think that's maybe a lack of experience, education, basically mentorship. But like I have a camera and you have a camera. Everyone has cameras on their phones and anyone can just, you know, take pictures. But (laughs) if you want this to be your job, your career, your passion, these are all different things. And the reason that I don't have a coffee shop isn't because... I can't go out to a bank, get a loan, rent a place, hire employees. Like I can do all this stuff. I just don't think that it'll make me more money than I'm making now. And that's sort of the, like I'm, I'm in a place in my life where I can sort of make decisions. Like do I take a pay cut to have a more interesting day? Maybe running a coffee shop (laughs) could make less money, but I'll be doing something that I want. Conversely, okay, you wanna you wanna do a coffee shop, maybe you can't, you know, make a ton of money doing coffee. What other business opportunities can you can you do? Can you sell subscriptions to coffee? Can you roast coffee? There's a lot of there's a lot of things that separate I like going to coffee shops and drinking coffee and thinking about coffee or I want to be a successful business person and like it it's a hard transition and I think that you need experience and mentorship to to realize that like you you can have a passion you can have a job but if you want to make money and you're like annoyed that you're getting paid minimum wage at a coffee shop. Like you, you do need to do something. You're not making it as a photographer. That's 
that's on you. I've yeah. I've sort of delegated a lot of my responsibilities to the large corporation that I work for because all I had to do was convince them to hire me and they gave me a contract of this is what we're going to do and you're just going to like show up once in a while. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> like I just sit at home. But it's a very like clear you do this, we pay you. Where if you're doing a business as an artist, I can be a photographer. I would say that I am a photographer. I take pictures. I post them on Instagram. <laughs> cool. If I want to make a million dollars a year doing photography, I'm going to have to you know, actually think about it. This isn't magic. And I think a lot of people take on these like side gigs and multiple jobs and they're they just don't know what they want and how to get there but i think if someone sat down and like made goals and made systems i don't think you get successful by accident because success means different stuff to different people so someone looking at me could say that i'm successful but i don't feel successful because it's not really what i want so first you have to understand what success means to you which is hard like it's hard knowing yourself yeah and then that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm reading books, trying to relay other people's experiences to myself to figure out what do I want. And then if I figure it out, okay, what's the minimum amount of money that I need to make running a coffee shop? Oh, it's like 60K in my area. Cool. Uh, what do I have to do? Oh, you have to sell this many cups of coffee an hour. Is that possible? No, we're in a pandemic. Keep trying. <laughs> so yeah. it's boring I, I, business. I, I... I, well, you actually just outlined kind of um, the steps that every business owner needs to, well, everyone who wants to start or try things out on their own needs to do. But unfortunately, very few people actually do it, you know, like understanding how much money you need to actually make in order to stay in business. How much money do you need to invest in kind of at the beginning as a as an initial kind of cost, whatever, cash in in I don't know, insert whatever infusion, uh, insertion. Um, but most people, and I don't know if that's kind of across the board or if it's just millennials or if it's everyone, um, I don't know, don't have the statistics, but most people don't do that type of analysis. And I think that's your engineering background that allows you to think that way. I mean, I am interested in like businessy stuff. But yeah, like the engineering, let's call it mindset, does make me want to, you know, make models, make systems, like have a desired outcome, have some steps that I'm doing, and then see if it worked and adjust. Like that's a very professional approach, where a lot of people, they're just like, I need more cash. I can deliver groceries for these people. Let me try that. Or, oh, let me try to sell my like photographs to someone or like my service. But that that's not professional. That's starting out. Maybe in this discovery that they're doing, they'll they'll meet someone that will help them sort of realize what they want to do and set them on the right path. But it's a lack of imagination but also like exposure to people that can help you 
I don't have any mentors around me that I look up to and I'm like, oh, wow, I want to be like this person. And having realized that now I'm trying to sort of get influence from books, but hopefully, you know, once the pandemic is over, all that stuff, I can go out and try stuff and maybe find like a role model in real life that I can become internet friends with or whatever. And <laughs> that, was a, that was a callback. Um, so we have bits now on this show. Um, <laughs> so it would be interesting to have a role model or like an advisory type situation going with someone. And that's, and that's hard because even realizing that you need good role models in your life is a hard, you know, jump. Well, do you, do you realize what you just said? Basically, um, what you're saying is that you don't respect really many people. <laughs> no, I don't. It's not that I don't respect them. It's just, I don't know what I want myself. And if I figure out what I want myself, let's say I want to be like a coffee shop owner. I need to find someone in that field that I can like follow in their footsteps almost. And I don't like when I look around, I don't see a lot of people who I want to like be because I don't know what I want myself. So it's not a judgment on someone else. It's a judgment on myself that I haven't figured out what's important to me. Well, I, I actually don't agree that you have to um, find someone who's in the same industry. I think when it comes to business, it's more about um, finding someone who's been successful in, or has been successful in business, maybe started a business or two or three um, and is operating them well. Um, because here's the thing. So like even like Mike McCallowitz, um, I love, I love his sense of humor, but he, he says, you're supposed, you know, you should R and D other business, other industries. And by R and D, he means rip off and duplicate. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, look at what other industries are doing and apply to yours because when you are in the same industry and that's, you know, it's kind of relates to like people are looking for accountants in a specific industry. I actually think that it should be the opposite because when a person is not specializing in something, they keep their eyes and ears open for every little thing as opposed to getting, you know, like pros are the ones who usually get their fingers cut off. You know what I mean? Like, um, because they already think that they're so good that they don't need to pay attention to what they're doing. Um, so I think that actually doing the opposite, finding someone who does not specialize in your industry because you don't want to compete with them also, um, and finding someone who has been successful in life and business that's a good mentor as opposed to, or an internet friend, um, <laughs> someone who's supposed to, you know, who could be a great mentor for you, uh, on, on your life journey or whatever it may be. Yeah. So like, I agree. And it's hard. Cause I feel like, again, I'm like maturing or becoming self-aware or, you know, insert some psychology term, but it is interesting that a lot of people would look at where I am and be like, oh, look, success. But that's not, like, I need to sort of define success for myself. And and that's hard. 
And I think that's like the more important piece as opposed to I'm doing something that earns me enough money that I can like have the lifestyle that I want. That doesn't like a happy life make. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because there's actually a famous expression. Well, famous, I guess, saying um, that knowing others is wisdom. Knowing yourself is enlightenment. And I agree with that. I think what you're saying is exactly that. Um, but you know what I would say is you could start with what you don't like for sure. That's a great starting point for anyone. That's actually uh, I I knew this when I was a kid. Whenever I did something or interacted with something, someone that I really didn't like, it it's almost always that I end up really liking that thing later. I think the <laughs> the expression is that people confuse strong emotions. So if you find yourself really hating something, you might just be confusing strong emotions. And anything that leads to an emotional reaction, you should like investigate because yeah. you, you're like drawn to that positive or negative and and I guess that's like acquired tastes and all that, but it it is interesting that you could find things that you like, that you thought that you hated by further exploring them because the opposite of like interest isn't like negative energy, it's disinterest. So if you hate something, you might want to look at that because you might have interest in it as opposed to something that you just don't see at all. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great approach and it's a starting point for someone to really find out what they want to do. And I have similar experiences. I've also, um, if I had strong emotions about something, I often end up actually getting into it and actually loving it, like accounting, for example. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like that about like art. I've always known that I hated like art and guess what? I don't like, I, I, I did have a, like a reaction to it and it keeps like coming back where some things that I'm supposedly good at, I never think about it. It's, it's boring. They're not interesting and sure I'm good at it, but like, that's not what I want to do, but I have tons of things that I hate. And now I'm slowly like trying to poke those things and be like, Hey, is this, is this real or Am I actually into this? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really cool. And I think that it's a great wrap up for our session today. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. I mean, go find things you hate. 